so we can hit the ground running, if you know what I mean. Oh my god, I will hang up right meow. You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled, Innovator. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash 21. All right, so I wanted to talk today about something that's kind of come up around the margins of our of our talks and is um, ultimately going to be kind of hard to avoid if we're talking about like workplace, work productivity topics. <laughs> um, and that is uh, business buzzwords or, or more broadly jargon. Um, or biz buzzes, as we like yes, to say. Yes, biz buzzes. Uh, I believe that's what they call it in the <laughs> trades. Um, mm-hmm. uh, phrases like game changer, outside the box, thought leader, coopetition, which I believe is a portmanteau of cooperation and competition. Uh, you know, organic growth, growth hacking, viral, uh, and just some very, very real, clear, normal words like disruptive or innovate um, that have taken on kind of a life of their own and are, are just plain overused. Um, specifically, I wanted to talk about this for a couple of reasons, one of which is just it's it's something that's come up before on the podcast when we talk about, you know, what words mean and what is a good term for something. Um, going you know way back in the catalog, um, even as far back as, as the, you know, the mantras episode, I, I suggested that I didn't particularly like that word <laughs> and preferred the word theme instead, <laughs> um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and also floated motto as an alternative. So we've, we've, you know, from very early in the podcast, we've debated and, and looked for, you know, the right words for things. We've been very concerned with words. Um, I'm, I'm all about them words because as you know, I'm Jason Mraz. Um, but it's it's something that is pretty rampant in the industry, and, and you'll see in show notes because I'm going to link to a bunch of articles. Um, there's just tons and tons of, uh, especially in sort of you know new business online marketing oriented firms. Um, this language is just rampant. These these very vapid mm-hmm. buzzwordy words. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about that because I think it's I think it's interesting that the stuff is so rampant and so universally decried, but still so rampant. Uh, but it's also mm-hmm. I don't know I want to explore a little bit of of where jargon is useful and you know where the dividing lines really are, and also because I always like contradicting myself, um, some ways in which this kind of language is extraordinarily <laughs> dangerous and damaging. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my the whole broad, spectrum. The whole spectrum. We are going to spectrum this topic. We are going to spectrum this topic. That's That sounds Ew. like a douchey business buzzword, but I haven't actually heard that before. I know. I'm going to try to make up as many mm-hmm. new ones think, this episode as I possibly I th- can. That's my new goal. <laughs> I, think that's a, I think that's a laudable goal. I've just goalified mm-hmm. uh, my mission for this episode. You sure have. You sure have. My core mission. I would, I would expect <laughs> nothing else from a game-changing thought leader like yourself. Uh, hurts. And that's hurts that's, so bad. that's also another reason I wanted to do this was was even before I started sending you all kinds of terrible SMS messages comprised <sighs> almost entirely of these terms, I had kind of picked up on the fact that you kind of have an allergy to all of them. 
So you, it's like. Well, we're both allergic to cats. It's like you you sent me a kitten bouquet. Mm-hmm. A bouquet Every of time I checked my phone. That's right. Um, well, I was trying to think of a good analogy. It's like, I wonder if he realizes how annoying this is. But it's almost like being forced to read your spam mail. Mm. It's like that. Like you spammed my inbox <laughs> and to make sure there wasn't something important in there. Like I had to read the damn things. Just in cases. It's like someone told me, oh, yeah, you know how you lost the key to your house? It's somewhere in this pile of kittens. <laughs> you should check just in case. Uh, yeah. You know, um, well, if, if that ever happens, I mean, you know, kittens hate water, so I just throw a bucket of water on them. Your house key will be fine. But the, kitten, the, the kittens will be like, you know, running for right. the running for the cover at that point. And I mean, it'll wash the hair off the key, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. So that works. I'm looking out for you. Yeah. Yeah, my allergy. Um, I should start listing that on, on official documents. Um, yeah. No, I, I was th- I've been thinking about this since we were talking about uh, cohesory um, the other week. I, I, I find a deep satisfaction when I'm able to capture something in language that makes sense to me, but also helps me specifically express it to other people. Mm-hmm. And when I think about this jargon stuff, cause I was thinking about cliches, um, you know, I'm a teacher of writing, so I, I, I get a sense of what the patterns are among basically 18-year-old writers just coming out of high school. Um, And I do see certain patterns. You know, some instructors will have their little pet peeves about things they see in student language that when they see it, it's just a huge trigger for them and they call it out and they penalize like crazy. Um, I don't necessarily have triggers like that, but I do really resist language that not necessarily is cliche or uses um, figures of speech or like common uh, sort of colloquial figures of speech. But if I feel like the student is resisting being specific, that's when that sort of language gets in my way as a reader. Mm. Um, So I think for me, and when I'm thinking of business context too, or um, office context, I should say, um, the times when this language really stands out to me is when the person is either sort of brushing over what needs to be done or they're sort of passing it along and letting the instructions just sort of stay vague. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's there's something there that that I had had kind of written down as one of the one of the ways that this kind of language I think is is not helpful and is is used and I'm probably as guilty of this as anybody. Um, and speaking of things I'm guilty of, I do also want to mention um, there are a lot of business buzzwordy phrases, you know, kind of enterprise grade language that gets into <laughs> the description for this show. Uh, but that is, and I'm I'm hoping from the tone of the description of the, sh- the episodes of the show, this is often taken in the right way. Those are mostly thrown <laughs> in as jokes. That's a little wink to anybody mm-hmm. who, who gets it. You know, we're not actually doing a deep dive on anything. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I do yeah. think that one of the, in, in line with what you're saying about specificity, um, one of the problems I think with a lot of these words is 
once everybody kind of has a, a good general sense of what they mean, even if the word itself has a fairly specific meaning in, in the minds of its coiners or early adopters, <laughs> um, it can become a nice substitute for um, actual achievement or action. Uh, Merlin Mann likes to pick on, for instance, people who say they're a serial entrepreneur, which which he says something <laughs> along the lines of, you know, that means you started two blogs. Um uh, one in particular that, again, that's on these lists that I, I really disdain is growth hacker. Um, I think when you're a yeah, growth hacker, yeah. you are substituting the phrase growth hacker for being able to say, I raised sales year over year by 150% for company X in this market. Mm. Uh, because if you could say that second thing, even though it is much wordier, you don't need to say you're a growth hacker. You know, if right. you can say I sold the hell out of product X, you know, to, to the tune of this number of millions of dollars or this number of new clients or mm -hmm. this percentage of growth, why do you need to tell anybody you're a growth hacker? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. which, which, P.S., growth hackers, not a thing. Right. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, growth causer. Well, but if that's your job, why do you have to say it? Like, if yeah. yeah, again, and again, um, yeah. why, you know, you don't need to say it if you have actually done anything. Um. Yeah, you know, it's like serial entrepreneur. Uh, you know, if you've actually, if you have actually started multiple companies that went anywhere, um, you know, I don't think, I don't think Biz Stone, um, one of the co-founders of Blogger and Twitter and uh, Medium, I, I think he worked on all three of those. I don't think he goes around, you know, having people like, you know, when he gives a talk or, or he writes an article, um, I don't think he's usually credited as serial entrepreneur. I think it says founder of blogger, Twitter, and medium, you know? No, no, no. But see, in that case, Max, it just sounds so much more impressive to say it that way. Mm. Yeah. I think he should. Yeah. Serial entrepreneur. Ooh. Tell mm -hmm. me more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, so that's, that's I, I would agree with your, your specificity charge. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were talking in a previous week about how I think one of my other problems, so, and I suppose this is a symptom of the lack of specificity. Um, sometimes we're talking about different things when we say these words. Um, and I feel like that can get a group away from its main focus, from its, um, goals and the outcomes it's going for. Um, so in this class that I'm in right now, we were having a conversation the other day about student engagement. Um, and I think actually this might be one of the words that we've sort of picked apart before as is our want to do. Um, but at one point there was a lull in the, um, sort of presentation one of my colleagues was doing, he was trying to get a, a video to load. And so, um, the conversation had stopped, but I stopped, used the opportunity to ask him because we had been talking about engagement and something about it was sort of bothering me. Like we were talking about it in the abstract about um, how you get students engaged, about the value of having a room full of engaged students. Um, and I was trying to picture what for me student engagement would look like in my room. So then in that dip in the conversation, I asked him, um, you know, when you bring this topic to the table, how do you define it? What does an engaged student look like in your room? How do you know that they're engaged? Um, 
And that was a very simple question. But at the same time, you know, all of a sudden everyone in the room started nodding like, oh, yeah, duh. like I'm picturing something different than you are. Right. Um, you know, but that really helped give some focus to the rest of the conversation, because while I'm drawing up my own experiences in my head, I don't know what other people are picturing. Um, maybe other people's goals for what that looks like are different than mine. Um so, you know, so if I were, if we were part of a business and we're talking about audience or market engagement, um, that doesn't mean a lot unless we, we know, okay, how do we know when they're engaged? What does that look like? Well, I think you need some engagement metrics to begin with. Metrics! Uh, which you, you could, <laughs> you could gather and process via a big data operation. Big data is also on this list of 30 business mm. buzzwords you should yes. stop using. Mm. Yes, um, I'm furrowing my brow and pursing my lips and mm-hmm. nodding so that you mm-hmm. know I'm I'm yes we are this is very serious business. One one might say we even need a best of breed big data solution in order to I collect those don't... engagement metrics. Oh my god, I don't know what any of this. Means. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah, that's kind of the you know one of the one of the big problems that these articles do address uh, to varying degrees is is that a lot of these terms don't have super precise meanings. There's one in this this list, um, again, the, the first one I referred to, the 30 business buzzwords uh, that you should stop using. Um, there's actually, a, there are a few in here that I think are just fine, and one in particular that I even like, and I was constructing in my mind an argument for why this is not played out, uh, and that is the word onboarding. Um, which uh, is is a thing, um, and this is one of the reasons I like it is because it has a is a term that does have a meaning, which is uh, it's it's also called organizational socialization. It's the process of giving somebody the the knowledge, the skills, and the the behavior set they will need in order to fit in and succeed in a company when they come on board. Um, and a lot of people think of that sort of like you know an, an orientation that introduces you to the culture and sort of the basic rules of engagement, and then maybe training. But really, if you think about it, it's a lot more than that. Um, yes, it is the process of socialization. Yes, it's the process of learning the the organizational culture. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not only the official like here's our company's four values and here's our mission statement and you know here's our strategic goals for the next year. Um, that's also stuff like you know. Whose job is it to clean out the refrigerator and where does everybody go for lunch mm-hmm. on Friday? And, mm-hmm. you know, um, why doesn't Max ever come out of his office anymore? Um, <laughs> you know, it's all the unofficial little bits of socialization. It's also getting somebody, you know, again, the, the knowledge of the skills. Um, I would say also getting them the, the materiel, physical and non, that they're going to need to do their job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of the onboarding process, I have a project right now on my project list, which is, you know, onboard Beth Johnson. My new employee's <laughs> name is not Beth Johnson. Um, which is, uh, you know, one of the things I've had to do and I'm still working on is getting her access to all the various software systems and websites that we use, right. um, and teaching her how to use them. You know, it's, it's, it's training, it's ordering, it's socialization, it is filling out forms, it's making sure she knows her rights and, you know, takes care, takes advantage of uh, the benefits available to her in the enrollment window. Um, And there is no word for all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I defy anybody listening who works in HR <laughs> to send me an alternative word for onboarding. You know, that's <laughs> that's one thing. One of the problems with some of these words is, yes, they mean different things to different people. Like there are probably people who heard onboarding and thought I just meant hiring or just meant training. Um, but at the same time, part of the reason they, they evolve is 
sometimes at least, because there is a gap in the language. There is no good word um, for a concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this one, I hear you. That's super interesting. Um, I don't really care for the word itself, especially when you use it with a person as an object. Like, <laughs> you, you, you just said you were going to onboard Beth Johnson, mm-hmm. and that sounds like the title of a really bad, mm-hmm. like intentionally innuendo sandwich. Yeah, sounding it is. It is a movie. very, it is a very businessy formulation. I mean, we could also say bring Beth Johnson on board. Right. Right. Um, the the only problem with that is uh, I that I personally have with that is that it is I feel like it's a little bit vaguer just because onboarding has be, I mean it is a term of art you know if you look for onboarding you will find definitions on on you know business how to sites and you will find a hmm. Wikipedia page like this is this is a thing hmm. um, whereas bring on board I think you have even more risk of somebody thinking you mean hire. Yeah, no, I mean, I could see that. Um, but yeah, it is, it is super, I don't it like is using super it businessy, with a, yeah. Well, and, and just the way it sounds, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it sounds like mount or something. <laughs> like, that's how it <laughs> sounds to, to me. Like, I'm going to mount Beth. Like, <laughs> it sounds, uh, I don't know. No, I think that's there's, a, what it I think there's like an HR me. class about that. Oh my God, that's what I'm saying, though. That's what it sounds like, <laughs> which maybe that makes sense. It's like the, I don't know. And I understand why it evolved because to bring someone on board or get someone up to speed. Um, yeah, no, I get it. No. Um, so I'm thinking of the, uh, um, an analogous sort of informal process in academia. When we talk about this sort of stuff, um, especially with say first year students who are coming into a new environment, um, especially students who are coming perhaps from families where um, no one has ever attended college. They're what we call first-generation students. Um, um, One of the goals of work like um, composition programs and more progressive English programs and spaces like writing centers um, is to help students become aware of and learn the practices of an academic discourse. Um, So what it means to... Um, participate in their particular academic field, but also what it means to um, communicate with a professor or find and use your resources. Um, Yeah, kind of like what you're saying, all that is um, a social process, but also a professional process. Um, It's picking up the patterns and etiquette of um, a community and choosing whether or not and how to use all that stuff. Um, to understand how the culture works. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Onboarding. I don't know. It just has a, <laughs> that's a weird word. Like it looks like a boat word, but in practice it sounds gross. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm going to keep thinking about boat, it. The boat word thing too, you know, so much of, of business jargon is uh, sports or military oh my in, God. In orientation. Um, so I, and I, then the I, dogs. I think there's best probably of breed. something to that. Like there's a reason it sounds like a boat word. Right. Because uh, boating, boating is both a military discipline and a sport. You are a military discipline and a scholar. Mm-hmm. I sure am. I'm also yeah. a growth hacker. Influencers. Mm, influencers. Yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah. There's, um, okay. oh, there's so much here. <laughs> what else did, are you thinking about? I almost did too much prep. One thing I was thinking about... Um, and it is, uh, I, I, uh, 
I mentioned this in one of our offline conversations, which was kind of online because it was using our smartphones, but it was not on the internet for people to see like this podcast will be. So I want to be clear. I'm using the term <laughs> offline differently than the business jargony term of like not in a oh meeting room right now. <laughs> yeah, Max and I will talk about that offline after this meeting. Um, oh my. But uh, <laughs> problem now we're going to be like second guessing everything we say. <laughs> uh, Being very specific. But uh, yeah, some, something I, I mentioned is that one of the words that I found myself scribbling in on the margins of a lot of these pages was the word Orwellian, um, <laughs> because there's there's kind of a I, slippery slope is almost the wrong word because <laughs> in so many cases, like to even begin, like you're already at the bottom of the slope, <laughs> you've you've mm. slid off. Um, so much of this stuff, like there there is. Yeah, it's such a it's it's using we mentioned earlier one of the problems with this stuff is is that it's um it's vague it's not precise it's not specific right. and i i said specifically you can use it to obfuscate you know say i'm a growth hacker instead of saying i grew sales by 200 percent um but there's also there's an element where that is i think used extremely deliberately um I, I'm thinking in particular of a term that I, I don't know where I saw this recently, but I saw this word and it reminded me of a line from uh, one of my favorite movies, which is Spy Game, and I will link to it in show notes. Um, in the film, uh, it revolves around a controversy where a, a CIA operative goes rogue in the early 90s and, and uh, does something he shouldn't and is captured by the, the Chinese military and scheduled to be executed. And then there's some internal machinations at the CIA between varying forces who want to sort of hang this guy out to dry uh, and, and other people trying to, you know, save him. Um, and one of the main characters is, is uh, played by Robert Redford is Nathan Muir and Muir's kind of a troublemaker, but has a reputation for getting things done. Uh, and he's kind of called in because he's an expert on this guy that goes rogue. But one of his superiors, like the first thing he says in this meeting is, Nathan, we're going to need you to be a team player on this one. And <laughs> and he kind of laughs, Redford laughs, and, and the guy who's asked, who said that to him says, what's funny? And uh, <laughs> Muir goes, uh, you know, when my coach used to say that to me, it usually meant I was about to be benched. Um, and that's, I, when I saw team player the other day, I thought of that and it occurred to me that, you know, I, that's something you don't really say. It it sounds very positive. Be a, you know, we need you to be a team player. We need everyone to be team players here. Um, it has kind of a positive connotation. We think, we think sports teams, little league, we think people helping each other out. We think cooperation, we think the greater good. But what you're usually saying, if you have to tell somebody you need them to be a team player is I need more from you. And or this isn't going to advance your career. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't we don't say I need you to be a team player because then all of our bonuses are going to be really high. Because then you yeah. could just say I need you to do this because our bonuses are going to be high. Again, back to growth hacker. You don't need right. to use the buzzword. You don't need to use the cliche if you have anything specific to offer. Um, and thinking about other examples of that, um, I will refer back to an episode of Back to Work we've talked about before, way back in early 2011, number two, a uh, picture <laughs> of a boat in which Merlin is talking about culture, and he specifically talks about places that say things like, we have an innovative culture, we want everybody to innovate, um, and his comeback to that is always, well, do you want the guy who cleans your blinds to innovate? <laughs> 
Right. You know, and, and I, I'm, yes, I realize there are business books out there and, and business gurus. There's another one of these 30 words I shouldn't use anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, who will, who will give examples of, you know, the small guy doing the supposedly unimportant rote job in the company who came up with a tremendous innovation that saved all kinds of money. Um, right. but at the same time, like you probably don't want him trying out a different way to clean the blinds every night. Right. You know, and and the most There's still such a thing as best practices. Yeah, exactly. Um and that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily Orwellian so much as just a dumb, vague use of language, but it reminds me of my my personal pet beef, my least favorite version of that. Um which is is uh, (laughs) ironically enough, tied to a cause that's near and dear to my heart because um, you know, it's it involves something that I was involved with a, a volunteer organization that did education on the subject for many years, uh, mm-hmm. what a lot of companies and organizations say nowadays, which is we want everyone here to be a leader or everyone right. can be a leader. Mm-hmm. And the way that's Orwellian is if you really look at what they're looking for, if you really look at what that company values and rewards, what people often mean when they say we want everyone here to be a leader is we want everyone here to be a better follower. Right. Well, if you try to, if you try to picture an organizational chart how would you even visually represent everyone being a leader? It's it's you know? it's a big circle, and everyone's <laughs> arrows just go out into space. Wee, mm-hmm. which is pretty. which is what would happen. Like you don't want people picking their own strategic right. direction for the company. Well, and it also, if you're imagining some sort of seemingly democratic system where each week that position rotates, so that voices really are heard in their own turn. That seems like a nice ideal, but it's completely arbitrary and it would never work out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like right. it would not play to everyone's strengths mm-hmm. and passions and timing. Like it would not. No, you couldn't do it. For sure. That would be silly. Um, so I think I think what, you're, what I hear and what you're saying now is that so often this language is used to reinforce these illusions of culture and illusions of structure. Um that don't exist and we probably don't want them to exist. Like you're saying, um, well, I'm thinking too of, and you mentioned, you know, obviously, uh, words today, Yikes. <laughs> obfuscation, Obfus- which is not a business buzzword. <laughs> no, I just got stuck on it. <laughs> um, uh, I'm thinking of, man, one of the ones that I have a very negative, well, and apparently I'm allergic to all these. I really like that, that language. Um, that's you um one that i really react to is let's table this for next time Mm. because and i want to hear what you think too um i don't think i've ever used it um in earnestness (laughs) um but the times i can distinctly remember a quote-unquote leader ending a meeting or ending a talk with this line it was in a situation where that leader could not give the group some direction or members of that group um, would not stay on task. And so the leader would sort of give up and decide that we would decide this issue in some other way and not in this moment. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? Uh, Somewhat, but let's table that for right now and go on to... No, just kidding, just kidding. Don't, don't hang up. It's like, it's not, it's like my... <laughs> no, uh, I was actually, the reason, the reason I had it. to make that joke, besides the reason that I'm me, um, is that that the other thing that's often done, the, the way it's often done is is a little bit disrespectful to whoever was making the point. 
Um, I think I've probably done it in meetings before as well. But mm. it is it is an assertion that this topic, this is not the forum for this topic. Um, hmm. And I, I think it can be handled more gracefully. Like you can ask if we can table a topic. There's probably a better term for it than that as well. But mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned times you've seen it done. Times I've seen it done that I can think of right now. It's generally not like a an affirming, this is a really important discussion and let's make sure we give it the time and attention it deserves, you know, when we can. But right mm-hmm. now we have to deal with something else. Can we, can we, you know, come back to this? Another, can we circle back to this? Um, well it's it's often like no we're not going to talk about this now Mm. so you know i'm thinking of times where it's like someone has overcomplicated or um gone on a tangent within a particular conversation and the person realizes that we're going in circles Mm -hmm. and they just sort of get sick of it so rather than like calling everyone to focus or to come back to the core issue, it's a way to say like, well, I give up for now. I don't want to push mm-hmm. anyone's buttons. Sure. There's one maybe. Push sure. buttons. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And this, you know, that's couched within my sort of culture, meeting culture BS. Mm-hmm. Um, because the most recent sort of series of meetings I've been a part of have been sort of, <sighs> there has been a lot of, feet and topic dragging. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Whereas if you, it, yeah, where it's not clear whether or not we are actually there to make decisions or just sort mm-hmm. of think out loud in no particular direction, sort yeah. of like the arrows going yeah. outward. No, I, I think there's, I think there is uh that, that probably shades into something that will <laughs> become its own whole new episode of priority at some point, which is <laughs> meetings. Um, we've, we've done email, so we should, we should probably do meetings at some point. Um, (laughs) well, let's table that, Max. Let's table that for, yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I do. I think there's, yeah, I think there's probably better ways to handle it. Um, certainly. And, and as, as something like just a giving up move, you know, and that's, Mm -hmm. that's part of the problem too, is like, um, to, to table something for later. Uh, very rarely would I've seen somebody say that or do that. Are they at the same time writing a note about coming back to that topic? <laughs> Whether it's done as you're suggesting to, you know, like the times you can think of where this has been done that you've seen mm-hmm. just to move on because somebody doesn't want to sort through the circles that people are, are running in or the, the mazes right. they've run down. You know, are they also making a note to follow up on that later? <laughs> are they scheduling time to talk about it or are they just like really giving up on it and moving on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They have leader fatigue. Mm. There's another one. <laughs> Leadership fatigue. Leader teague. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, um, yeah. German for leader fatigue. <sighs> Thought terminating leadership. Leader teague. Whoa. <laughs> yes. All the things. Mm. I'm flipping because I'm looking for more examples. Synergy. Synergy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a supercut of Stephen R. Covey saying proactive synergy and uh what's a paradigm. Mm. Which mm-hmm. I I think I don't th- I don't think he, you know, he should probably get the blame for those being so popular. I don't think I'm gonna <laughs> hold it against him for using those because these were not words that were in books that most people had read, I think, in, in nineteen eighty nine when the seven habits came out. To him. Um, I, I think that was pretty fresh thinking at the time. 
uh, yeah, there's Synergy. Um, one of these articles I will link to. Um, I think it's in this why workplace jargon is a big problem. <laughs> Mentions the origin of Synergy and Paradigm Shift. Oh. As, as coming, you know, these were like scientific terms and that have been used in Protestant writings. Um, oh, my. But like they they go back decades and it's just more recently they've become um, problematic. Yeah, one of, the, yeah <laughs> one, of, one of the things I notice in these, uh, again, one of the problems with, with this topic is even to criticize these, these terms um, is tricky because so much of it is subjective. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll say again, like I've got a list here from earlier this year of 30 business buzzwords you should stop saying. I also have a list I'll link to in show notes of 15 new business buzzwords you should be aware of, and growth hacking is on both of them. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, a lot of this is, is deeply subjective. Um, I do really like this, this article. It's by, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's by Maddie Crum, um, definitely at the Huffington Post. Uh, like she, she also bags on the term brainstorming, um, hmm. which yes, has a lot of meanings, but all of the meanings are pretty closely related and we all have a pretty good idea when someone says brainstorming, they don't mean one person writing a ordered list of things. Right. Yeah. They mean a generative list. They mean a generative list. And usually mm-hmm. done by a group. And beyond mm-hmm. that, there's a lot of formats that fall under brainstorming. But, you know, it's, I don't know. That's, some of these, some of these, you know, again, it's very subjective. Some people are just bagging on terms they don't like when they, when they criticize this topic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's well, one the, of the yeah. problems is there's no universal standard for, you know, what is the degree of specificity and the <laughs> lack of other words for something that is required before we say, okay, yeah, this is a valid word. Well, and that's what I keep thinking about is, you know, languages are are living, evolving things. Um, and what you can't account for, especially when you're writing in the form of a list for the internet, is... <laughs> the context from which you're writing, you know, do you work in an office where some days you're so annoyed by the word strategic that you sit there and keep a tally during meetings because it's driving you nuts Mm -hmm. and you can't not hear it. You know what I mean? Um, or are you in an office where you've just sort of identified strategy as like your, your focusing, uh, key word for this new project because you haven't thought of it this Mm -hmm. way before. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and strategy is not a, a particularly cutting edge word as no, an example no, here, but, it's, but it's a word that's, you know, arguably tired and overused. I will say the company I'm in right now, I hear the word strategic about three times a quarter and it's always tied to the, the company's big overall, you know, within the industry kind of goals. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, you know, there are places where that's used very appropriately and I don't think mm-hmm. there's a good replacement word for it. No, cause I would hope that any any type of work ought to be strategic, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's very little that we right. want to be arbitrary right. or happenstance. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, and I don't want people to have a meeting to come up with some ideas instead of, you know, say they're going to go brainstorm when mm-hmm. they're trying to think of a new strategic direction. Um, right. So again, I, I think part of the problem is some of the stuff is useful. It's just distasteful to some people. Um, again, in this Maddie Crum article um, uh, from Huffington Post, one of the other things she identifies is there's kind of a, a violent twinge to some of this stuff. Um, like, for instance, the phrase killing it, um, <laughs> which I think I've used within the last couple of weeks on Twitter, um, <laughs> you know, to mean you're, you're really doing extremely well. 
um, right. or bleeding edge. You know, you are you are way oh. out in front of whatever's going on. Which um, good lord, bleeding edge is one of those things. Is kind of like cool. Like if you need to tell me you're cool, you're not cool. If you need to say you're bleeding edge, you know, again, mm-hmm. back to growth hacker. <laughs> if you need to yeah. tell me that, you're probably not. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's a whole other uh, branch of my Orwellian complaint that I, I didn't run down that I forgot about was the other thing is a lot of these terms um, go back to a topic we had a couple weeks ago that's also a business buzzword, work-life balance. You know, the more a company talks mm-hmm. about work-life balance, probably the worse it is. Because you don't need to tell your people they have great work-life balance if they have great work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking, too, of um, other analogous phenomena, like um, also coming from English instructors, not wanting students to use adverbs um, or picking on them as a way to eliminate unnecessary language. Um, omit needless words mm-hmm. um yeah that might have been been in strunk and white uh, actually yeah i think it i think it is if not um or hemingway yeah if not <laughs> i mean it's somebody it's it's an actual circular yeah strunk and white yeah yeah um <laughs> the, other, the other one i like is words. i don't know if this is actually somebody's or if it was somebody's joke but uh use adverbs sparingly <laughs> oh, there's a great list. I'm going to pull it up while we talk away. Um, what was Maddie Crumb's article? Uh, that is why workplace jargon is a big problem. Um, okay. And while you're, while you're pulling oh, it up. Oh, that was that one. I'm sorry. Yeah, while you're yeah. pulling it up, I'll identify another problem she has with workplace jargon, which is uh, hmm. a lot of these meaner terms, you know, like killing it and bleeding edge. Uh, mm-hmm. she, I think she's the one who points this out. If not, I'll figure out which article I was looking at and link it up, but I'm pretty sure it was her. Uh, women in the workplace who use that kind of language tend to be looked upon more negatively than men who use it. Oh, I'll bet. So there's also, yeah. there, there's also kind of an exclusionary nature to some of this. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, that sort of thing has been shown in so many ways about how aggression or even just not even aggression, but just forthrightness is perceived as more harsh in women than men. Um, man, there's a great, somebody did a study and this is a little tangential, but, eh. um, uh, uh, there was a great study that was using, I think it was reviews pulled from online rating sites like ratemyprofessor.com and sites like that. Um, analyzing the language used to describe either male or female teachers. Mm-hmm. It is astounding the differences in language that will be used to describe either. I don't know. Um, yeah. How a, a male professor is much more likely to be called a hard ass, whereas a female professor, okay, I don't know if we, are you going to bleep this? That kind of burns it. Mm, I, think, um, <laughs> I think hard ass, I think hard ass we can leave in. Oh, okay. Um, whereas women are bitchy. Mm-hmm. And those those phrases in particular, um, if I'm remembering correctly, they don't really cross the perceived gender line there. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can imagine. I can think of uh, supervisors I've had that, um, <laughs> you know, we're we're a man, and I, I think most of my colleagues would would describe as. Um, engaged or hands-on um, that had it been a woman, colleagues would describe as nagging. 
Mm, or micromanager. Or microman. Well, yeah, that one micromanager I think is, is probably less gendered, but sure the nag, than yeah. nagging. But yeah, I mean that's very mm-hmm. possible that they could perceive it as more as micromanaging. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and I just mean in terms of like that's the negative connotation, whereas in being engaged, as we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, is a positive thing, right? But I guess yeah. So I guess, so I guess here's the connection. There is one. Yay. Um, is that there, I mean, this stuff has a sort of currency. I'm thinking even of, um, you know, talking with colleagues of mine who teach K through 12, um, one of their audiences that, that they work with that doesn't really factor into my work is parents and families. Mm. Um, so, so they will talk about how <laughs> some of the, the lessons and the activities and the work they want to do in their classrooms it becomes a lot more palatable for parents if they're able to couch it using, um, <laughs> you know, academic buzzwords, things like, oh, we just, we really want to foster critical thinking skills with your student. You know, we really want to help your student uh, get to that next phase through building these skills, mm-hmm. you know, um, things that they can latch on to and say, oh, okay, that's, Right. That's what I've come to believe you're supposed to be doing, and you've just told me that that's what you're doing. So, um, everything is everything is cool. Kumbaya. Um, so I guess I'm thinking about like there are benefits to being able to talk this talk in certain circles oh, with but with I, certain audiences. I I think that depends though on. Um... I mean, there there are definitely benefits. Like like I mentioned earlier, the thing with like teamwork or every you know we want everyone to be a leader. Um, the the benefit of that kind of talk in that case is that you get people to go along with things that are uh, not necessarily in their best interest, or if they are in their <laughs> best interest, that are you know in the case of teamwork, like maybe we do need you to be a team player. Like maybe the company's going to go out of business if we don't get some of you to fall in line and carry more than your fair share and you know, not, not be asking for raises and promotions out of it. Um, mm-hmm. so maybe it is even in your best interest, but it's going to be a tough sell if we tell you that's what's going on. Well, and even then you, you sort of said it as if maybe that is what it means, but whose definition of team player would that be? You know, mm-hmm. you're still, it's still a way of hiding. Right. Right. Hi, like sort of slipping in an apology for the fact that you're asking for some sort of sacrifice. Right. And, you know, there's always I think there's always some kind of benefit here. There's something, you know, at, at the very least, even if you're not obfuscating anything, um, even if you're not getting buy in from people, there's another one. Ding. <laughs> even if you're not getting buy-in from people, if you're not bringing people to the table, um, on which you're going oh to God. table a topic when they <laughs> just don't onboard Beth Johnson on that table. Hey, uh, okay, I'm done. class, class from HR. I'm telling you, um, oh my God. <laughs> completely lost my train of thought. All H that are. Uh, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. At the very at the very least, I mean, there's always some benefit, and that benefit may just be uh, you sound like an insider, right? You are passing, right? No, there you go. Yeah, tie into yet another past episode. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, here's what I'm wondering now, though. I I I guess like most of the tension that I feel around a lot of these things is that it was a person in power. Um, saying using these phrases to a group 
um, or even just to me, um, who might be lower than them in the hierarchy. Um, and I think that's where part of the problem is, is in the examples I mentioned, it was a way of sort of avoiding, um, honesty about the situation or a way of sort of brushing aside the nitty gritty of other people's work. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. And I think it's kind of in keeping with that team player thing or with, we want everybody Mm -hmm. to be a leader. Um, and that's, again, the, the, you know, who benefits from using vague language? It's somebody, the people in power, the people in power. It's somebody who has something they'd rather not have discussed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not exclusively people in power, I'll say either, you know, it's, it's, uh, for a not particularly careful or savvy boss, it's very easy for one of their, their direct reports. Um, these are actual terms of art now <laughs> using direct reports, mm-hmm. not a business buzzword, but it's, it's not, um, it's not completely abnormal for somebody on their team to, uh, to to use the same kind of language to to obfuscate the fact that a project isn't moving along like it should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of. But yeah, I do. I do think yeah. you've got a good point with the power thing. There's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always, I think, going to be in the cases where this stuff is most prone to be used and to be used effectively. There's probably always going to be either a power disparity or an information disparity. You know, mm-hmm. you just met me at a conference. You don't know who I am. You don't have any reason to trust me or anything I say about what I can do or or my philosophy of getting stuff done. But if I say I'm a growth hacker, you know, mm-hmm. I can I can hide that fact and get you, get some buy in from you because now you've got something to hang uh, your hat on. Sure. Yeah, now yeah. you have something something that you can you know, a box you can put me in. Um, which, by the way, if somebody walks up to me at a conference and says growth hacker, I definitely have a box I can put them in. It's like a box of shame over in the corner, and they're not going to be thinking outside of that box. Let me tell you. Oh my! Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess then the in the arena of power dynamics, that move is almost a power grab. Like, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. If you, it's sort of well. Well, and I mean, it's yeah. either a grab or or an attempt to. You know, you've you've got you have an information disparity with somebody. You know what you've done and what you haven't done, and what you're capable of and what you're not. And among the things you know that the other person doesn't is you don't, again, I'll, I'll use growth hacker because I just, I'm loving <laughs> picking on that one today. Um, I, 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 you know, you know that you can't say, well, I was with the startup last year and when I came on, sales were $50,000 a year. And when I left, they were $5 million a year and I was head of business development. So therefore I'm responsible mm-hmm. for, uh, I forgot the numbers I said already, but several thousand percent growth. So much money, you know. That's you, and and you know, to your to your PowerPoint, uh, not the program, but your <laughs> points about power. Um, Topic. <laughs> I can go with with meetings or like another one on presentations <laughs> or preparing. Um, to the to the point on power, though, um, you know, you you have continued on uh, an information disparity that that benefits you. You know, the person you're talking to is still no more in the know about you, mm-hmm. you know, so you are continuing on an advantage you have over them and you've made it a little bit sweeter because, you know, maybe they're susceptible to that language. Maybe they mm-hmm. know that growth hacking is the new hotness to borrow a <laughs> vapid term from a different context. <laughs> All the hotness. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I'm thinking about how, well, it's sort of like the value of a euphemism. It is not specific. It does not necessarily express a clear sentiment um, because it's avoiding something, mm-hmm. whether that's detail or intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm thinking about how in either scenario, whether it's you on your resume or your personal description on Twitter. What do you call that? Your profile description, whatever. Bio. Where you're supposed to put blogger, coffee lover, and uh, thinker. Thought um, leader. I think you mean thought leader. Thought leader, innovator. <laughs> oh, I like that one. <laughs> and coffee lover. <laughs> innovator. <laughs> you have to sort of spit when you say it. Um, spitting is also in. <laughs> Oh my God, let's people know you're serious. Um, yeah, all those things are sort of about mystery or and avoidance, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I think is another Dostoevsky novel. <laughs> mystery and avoidance. Mm-hmm. I believe An innovator's right. saga. Innovator. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Uh,. You made me think of something else with power, and now I'm not. Oh, oh, um, euphemism. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's uh, what a lot of this comes down to. I think is euphemism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it's why layoffs became downsizing became reorganization. Ah, um, yes, yes, yes. Reor- you know, reorg. Ugh, that one. I, I, I've been at a couple companies that have used that, and that one I find especially distasteful because it is so. It is so blatantly, obviously, cover for we're getting rid of people's jobs, mm. um, and I'm not even I'm not even of the mind. Like I'm not you know some like French labor leader who's like you know no one should ever lose a job ever for anything, and you know no it's none you know even if even if it means technology stalls and you know we never automate this and whatever you know no jobs ever go away ever. Jobs for life, for all. You know, I'm not. I'm not in that mindset at all. But I find it incredibly distasteful to say, you know, re- reorganizing our company to create tremendous synergies and improve our market capitalization. And da, 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 you know, when what you mean is we're going to fire two thousand people and mm-hmm. give them a small fraction of a year's wages and benefits to go away and go do something else. Yes. Yes. So we can save some money. So, yeah, I think this, again, like the show is just about me figuring out my shit. Um, <laughs> I think that's part of my my deal. My reaction with all this stuff is that when – so, and this is sort of a euphemism in itself, tough decisions. Um, we had to make some tough decisions this week about our reorg, you know. Ugh, that felt weird. I don't like that. I don't like any of these. Um Except strategic. Strategic is fine. Um, <laughs> Alaskan come to. Yo, sup. Um, is that when tough decisions and real talk has to happen, it's that much harder because no one has been sort of practicing naming reality. Um, yes. Man, and I had, I had to look it up because it's just too good. So, of course, as, as we know, and I hope most of our listeners know, you know, Orwellian comes from George Orwell, who wrote such classics as 1984. But I had to look up some of these other terms um, 
from the novel 1984. <laughs> um, but the the organization in power uses all of these almost nonsense sounding jargon words um, to represent the various structures in the society. So um, things like thought crimes, which are basically thinking anything that does not fit into the structure of the society. Mm-hmm. Um, anything, um, oh man, losing socially unacceptable thoughts as the description on the internet tells me. Um, oh, but things like, um, I was thinking of like double plus ungood, which is sort of adverby mm-hmm. language for, you know, not good. Right. Um, all these different things, double think, new speak, um, all these different things. Um, but all of these terms are a way of making it very clear where power and control lie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, yeah. and, uh, it, it is a form of control in itself. I think that was one of the central points of 1984, um, or at least mm-hmm. my understanding of that central point, because I only know it through the Muppet Babies parody. But uh, <laughs> Wait, no, no there, was, was there, there really? Just, oh, I'm making God. a reference to my, my comment a few episodes ago about my cultural literacy coming from Muppet Babies. I was like, oh my God, that's got to be up there with the, <laughs> the uh, uh, Passover Rugrats episode. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Um, no, but I mean, standout moments in cartoons, the, the, you know, the point, like you mentioned the double plus ungood, the, the point of the, the ungood and good and the degrees of them is that there aren't that many, Mm -hmm. you know, there are, there's good and bad and there's certain degrees of it. There's only these words to refer to the entire spectrum of pleasant and unpleasant, good, bad, um, tasteful, distasteful, uh, you know, and triple dog Darius. (laughs) And and that's a that's a small example of the bigger point that uh, that this this new speak that this language was was making in Orwell's book that uh, whoever is defining and propagating these terms controls the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, if these are the only mm-hmm. terms that are on the table, um, the table at which you want to have a seat at. <laughs> Um, that's one that I, I, I mean, it's, it's a fine concept. It's usually used in the service of inclusivity, um, or giving people a voice, but I really don't like the phrase a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Because it still suggests that there are people not at the table. Right. Well, yeah. It, among yeah. many it's, other it's things. It's kind of like, I think it, it was mm-hmm. Tom Peters. Somebody complains about the phrase think outside the box because it's yeah. stupid to think in terms of there even being a box. Yeah, what does the box represent? Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, it's... The brain isn't even box-shaped. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even think of it that way. Well, it's not a thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't particularly like the seat-at-the-table language. Um, mm-hmm. Not that I'm anti-inclusivity. I am, but that's not what I'm saying right now. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that was double plus. I'm good. You, but yeah, if you are the one setting the terms of the conversation, you know, if you're saying we're here to discuss the reorg, um, mm-hmm. you are, you are cutting off certain lines of, of thinking and I don't know. Uh, reorg, especially now that we're in the context <laughs> of actually talking about Orwell, that one just sounds extra bad. Double plus ungood. And onboard does sound like torture slash like weird indoctrination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want to know what waterboarding means. Oh my God. That's what, that's, uh, I don't like it. Like I get it. I don't like it though. Oh, that's fine. I have, Make up I have a no problem Max. with that. That's fine for Max. <laughs> That's fine for Max. I don't um, know. 
I still can't come up with a better word than cohesion. Mm, that's fine. It'll come to me. Yeah, I, I like cohesion. That's fine for Katie. Yeah. I enjoyed our talk on cohesion. Um, but that's that's the thing is we're not trying to, to define terms and, you know, limit each other's available vocabulary. <sighs> As you know, I want, you, want everybody on this podcast to innovate. Uh... Even if you don't feel that's within your wheelhouse. Double plus ungood. <laughs> so, Katie, how do we solve English? Literally, um, get a seat, take it to the table, um, onboard Beth Johnson. Mm. Um, See, when you commit- say it, when you say it, it just sounds dirty. <laughs> what and you can say it and it doesn't you literally said that earlier and now i'm literally using literally literally um Uh. yes i think that if we are to use language responsibly we should use it deliberately and consciously and when necessary we should explain our terms and make sure we're all on the same page there's another figure for us Mm, i don't care if we're at the same table but we should be on the same page i like that one you have been listening to priority once again for complete show notes or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show visit us on the web at priority.fm if you enjoyed the program today please go to itunes and leave us a positive rating and review as that will help new listeners find the show Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y-F-M. Thanks again for listening. something in there that reminded me of another previous episode um what was it can you repeat everything you just said please uh yes but i'm going to do it entirely in the form of business buzzwords no synergy meta outside the box game changer thought leader guru strategic cooperation organic growth leverage visionary growth act viral blogosphere millennial innovate disruptive uh, Heavy no, lifting, vertical, best of breed, directionally accurate influencers. Oh, big oh data nope, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> it came back, please stop. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>